Welcome to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast, where non-diet nutrition, weight-inclusive care, and integrative health collide. We're your hosts, Dana Montes and Christina Hoyt, licensed integrative clinical nutritionists and body image coaches. And we believe you deserve to have a joyful relationship with food in your body, even if you have a chronic health condition or symptoms that just won't quit. On this show, together and with our guests, we're bringing the real talk, no BS5, with tangible tools to help you pursue health and wellness without obsession or restriction. Remember our disclaimer, this podcast is meant for general information purposes only and should not be taken as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We're really excited to have this conversation around self-advocacy in the healthcare world, which I feel like can often be something that we feel like we're not allowed to do or that we need permission to do or we feel like we can't do it. And I think a lot of that has to do with the authority that we have with our healthcare providers that it can feel really uncomfortable advocating for ourselves and even like maybe questioning them or pushing back on them a little bit. Self-advocacy in the healthcare world is something that I think we all need to give ourselves permission to start doing more of and kind of pushing up against it because we have to remember, although we're going to, hopefully, we're all going to our medical providers because, because we trust them, they have a lot of knowledge and they're looking out for our best interest and all of the things, but at the same time, they're also human beings and they're also subject to biases and and thought processes or education that might not be suitable for you or even and then the other piece is how to set some boundaries with your healthcare professionals which also sounds kind of like ooh am I allowed to do that <laughs> and the answer is um yeah you absolutely can and a lot of times we need to remember especially when it comes to body and weight talk it's super important to set that boundary and to Again, advocate for yourself and say, hey, this kind of conversation is not supportive of me. Well, especially because a lot of the time when we're going to the doctor to get things like our blood pressure checked or our pulse or, you know, all of the things that you do in an annual physical and then even other things when you go for, all of a sudden weight is a part of the conversation when it really doesn't need to be because it has no or little impact on what you're actually there for. So in the best case scenario, your medical provider's office feels like a completely safe space and you feel like you have a trusting relationship with your provider and that part of that is you trust them to have your best interests at heart, not their best interests at heart, which unfortunately sometimes are two completely different things, right? And the it is a result of their medical training and the bias that's in, you know, medical training and everything. But what we want to help you do, whether you have a completely trusting relationship with your healthcare provider or it feels really uncomfortable, even the thought of going there because maybe you don't want to be weighed or you don't want to be told that you need to lose weight. Like, wow, we've never thought of that before. You know, thanks for the really helpful information, doc. And then first of all, when they tell you that, they don't actually give you advice or good advice on how to do that in a sustainable way if that's actually something that you wanted to do more like they want you to do. But either way, it doesn't feel like a safe environment. So we wanted to give you some tools and tips today and we're also going to get into this with our guest who is a Hayes Health at Every Size aligned endocrinologist of how you can do that even if you don't feel 100% safe or 
confident or comfortable or in that trusting relationship with your provider because unfortunately if you're going within your insurance network it's not going to be the easiest thing to find a practitioner that is non-diet aligned, haze aligned, you know, health at every size, all this stuff, it's probably going to be pretty rare for you to find a practitioner like that. So if you find one, stick with them. (laughs) But if you don't, or if one's not available to you, it's okay. This is why we wanted to have this self-advocacy conversation, you know, this boundary setting conversation, because there are ways to do that in a respectful way, even though it can seem really hard because we're taught when we're younger and if we don't have any degree of medical experience, which a lot of people don't, it can feel like, okay, I'm going to the doctor as my number one source of medical information because they know what's best for me because of their training. It would be great if we could just trust in that 100%. And most of the time what they're talking about, yes, it is evidence and research-based, but at the same time, if that comes with a side of weight bias and body shaming and everything like that, It feels like an unsafe environment and then you don't want to go back there and then you fail to get the care you need, which is what we want to make sure that you can get by helping give you the tools to establish a more safe and trusting environment. And it's really refreshing to have someone who is an endocrinologist on today, who is health at every size aligned, who is talking about this, who's setting a framework for a lot of other practitioners who can follow in his footsteps because finding a health at every size endocrinologist is kind of like finding a flying pig or a unicorn. So not something we see every day. So we're so happy to have him on today to talk about this so that we can, so that he can kind of provide you with some insights of his medical training, how certain types of biases were ingrained in him how he worked through them, and how you can advocate for yourself with your own practitioners who might not be health at every size aligned, but maybe could meet you where you are and understand more about your approach and what's safe for you to do. Because most doctors don't want to do anything to harm you. They want to be supportive. And if you help guide them in, hey, this isn't supportive, but I'm fully supportive and understanding about how I can manage this condition, I'd like to do that. Um, And so here's the way that you can kind of share with them that approach a little bit in a very um, non-combative approach. And speaking of tools, one of the things that Christina and I talk about all the time with our clients and in our group coaching programs and everything is you don't have to be weighed at the doctor unless it's something like you're pregnant and they want to track your baby's growth or something like that, right? But even then, you can ask to be blind weighed. You can turn around. You can say, hey, it's okay if you weigh me, but please don't tell me what the number is. Please don't include it in the client or patient-facing notes that you give me at the end of the appointment, right? All of these things are options to you that a lot of people don't even realize, right? I mean, think about just that one suggestion or that one tool. It would be so much more of a pleasant experience at the doctor's office if your, let's say one of your number one like red flags or triggers or anything is like looking at your weight. I mean, a lot for a lot of people it is. Your doctor's office experience would be so much more pleasant (laughs) or at least, you know, maybe... The whole visit itself isn't pleasant, but it would be more pleasant than at the bottom of the barrel if you don't have to be worrying about, oh my gosh, they're going to take my weight and what are they going to say to me? You know, are they going to tell me? I'm gonna, am I going to spiral because of this number? That is an option for you. So you can, you can either 
decline to be weighed unless it is specifically relevant to your medical condition, like being pregnant or something like that. Or you can be blind weighed. So those are two things that we want you to keep in mind. One thing I'll add to what Dana just said around when it's okay or when it's medically relevant that people sometimes forget about is if you're getting prescribed medication, they actually need to know so that they can understand your dosage, which is really important too. But again, that doesn't mean that they have to tell you and it doesn't mean that they have to, you have to see it. So that's something else really important to keep in mind. Personal story. I went into a new medical provider. I asked them to blind weigh me, which they were totally open and amenable to, and they did it, and everything was great. And I forgot to mention, don't put it in the client portal, and they did. And so it was really upsetting to me because I, I remember thinking, oh, man, I wish I had said that. I didn't want to see the number on the scale. So just that's just one thing that I will say to remind everybody to say both if you can, if you can remember. We even like there are are tools available, which we'll share in the show notes from today's episode around cards that will provide you with what you need to share um, with your medical professional um, around some of these topics so that you can actually bring it to them. And some of them, I think, even contain the research associated too. which how cool would it be if in a really gentle way you're advocating for yourself and at the same time you're informing your provider of a new way of approaching things? Kind of nice. Not all providers are that cool. Some of them are not. Some of them are. But hopefully your experience is, is, is pleasant. And at least at the, at the end of the day, you have advocated for yourself and shown what you need and also seen an insight, insight into how your, your practitioner um, practices and approaches these things. And how can you do that if, one, A, you need to find a new provider Um, if you can, or two, how can you set even firmer boundaries with that practitioner about how you're going to approach things? And sometimes it requires being pretty firm, unfortunately. You can do it! (laughs) Before we get to the interview portion, quickly, with Dr. Greg Doddell, who is the Hazeline endocrinologist who practices in New York City, we want to do recommendations really quickly. So... First, I will say, I have super been enjoying the new season of the Great British Baking Show. Highly recommend if you just need some like chill, very relaxing, uplifting TV where everyone is super nice to each other and you get to see these gorgeous baked things and everything. Um, But my second recommendation comes actually from one of our listeners where she was mentioning after listening to our discussion on, you know, trying to reestablish a different relationship with exercise after Christine was talking about, you know, getting back into it and using Peloton and everything, Makara recommended that there's actually a Peloton haze and anti-diet community on Facebook. So we will put that link in the show notes for you if you are a Peloton person or if you're interested in doing some of those workouts, exercises, meditations, yoga, or whatever, but you're looking for a completely non-triggering experience, they link all of the instructors and everything that are anti-diet and haze aligned so you can have an enjoyable movement experience. And I just joined the group and I'm so excited. So maybe you'll see me in there and I'm super excited to hear who they've curated for who's safe and who's like maybe not so safe. My recommendation for this week is kind of fun We recently took Elodie to an Earth's Best organic farm. And it was really fun because 
you got to really get the full farm experience. We got to play with little baby pigs and little ducklings and Elodie got to feed baby goats bottles which was really fun but they were so incredibly cute it was so much fun and I recommend anybody if you need like a little pick me up and you want to play with baby animals please go to Earth's Best Organic Farms check it out okay well without any further ado we'll get into the episode or the interview So today on the podcast, we have Dr. Dodell, and he is an endocrine specialist, and we are super excited to have him on because you have a nuance to what and how you do what you do, which is exactly why we wanted to have you on the show today. So could you tell us a little bit more about your journey to becoming a medical professional and then really starting to become more of a haze-aligned endocrinologist? Yeah, absolutely. So I always wanted to be a doctor from like age seven, eight, something like that. Always wanted to be a pediatrician. Then I got to medical school and had an amazing endocrine clinical professor who was just excited about the field and like ran up and down like the auditorium stairs and was like, diabetes is so exciting and thyroid so exciting. And we were, I was like, yeah, actually it is pretty cool. The physiology and, and all this stuff in that you could really help people over the course of their life, you know, both in making the correct diagnosis, hopefully, and then the treatment and long-term management of a chronic condition, um, I really thought was a great, a great field and a great way to spend my career because the endocrine system really affects the whole body. It's not just one organ system. And there's a lot of things that, that play into it. And the way I got into this Hayes um, health at every size weight inclusive approach was really kind of a progression. You know, I my wife is a psychologist in the field, Alexis Connison, and she we both came from a similar background in academia and and research and kind of trained side by side. And she started seeing in her in her clients struggling with with eating issues and emotional eating and getting into the haze and looking at things that way and trying to educate me at home. And it took me a while to kind of figure it out. But uh, I've jumped in and uh, just trying to educate myself and, and learn from all the people that have been doing this work for decades. And I see in my, in my patients when I take this approach that it, the conversations feel better and more authentic. And I think it's something that seems to be working for people. So I'm, I'm continuing to learn. I really like how you kind of mentioned that it took you a while. And I really liked that honesty. And I'd love for you to share a little bit, especially as a medical professional, um, what do you think was part of that, that journey for you? That's a great question. Uh, you know, we're, we're trained in, in really a weight-centric model and, and specifically in endocrinology because so many of the things, conditions that we deal with and treat are metabolic. I mean, they're all really metabolic. So that, that was just so ingrained in me. And it's really hard to kind of look beyond that focus of, we need to be focusing on the weight instead of behaviors and things like that. I mean, obviously, you know, we all focus on behaviors and, and all my colleagues that are awesome. And I, I'm very grateful for my training and it's just a different way of looking at things. But in my mind, the treatments are the same. You know, I still treat diabetes the same. I still treat thyroid and PCOS the same way as far as medications and, and what I'm recommending. I just don't, I choose to focus 
on behaviors rather than weight, which is not a behavior. And what I've learned from kind of reading and looking at the A stuff is the great idea or the great concept that you can make behavior recommendations and work with patients from that standpoint. They may lose weight by doing those things. Their weight may stay the same or they may actually gain weight, but that any of those things are okay if the objective is really for people to feel better and, and have healthier you know, outcomes. Right. And I find that so interesting that you say, you know, the treatment doesn't necessarily change because I think from um, like the patient standpoint, they see it changes a lot because a lot of the time what they're hearing is, oh, if you just lost weight, then it would fix everything. Right. But it's really interesting here that from your perspective, like I'm not the, the medication doesn't change. The lifestyle interventions, the behavioral interventions don't change. It's just that the focus is not now you must lose weight as the end-all be-all solution or you're never going to be able to not even manage or, you know, let alone people think of like, you know, curing disease. Can you really cure endocrine things is a whole nother conversation, right? But like, can I even manage this if I stay the same weight that I am or, you know, God forbid I gain weight? Mm -hmm. No, I mean, I think that's a very good point. I think a lot of what's what's driven me and incentivized me to take this approach is just how detrimental weight stigma is and how data just across the board shows that people that live in larger bodies or even not even when weight is the focus and it creates stigma and internalized weight bias that people maybe rightly so decide not to go to the doctor and not follow up so then the outcomes aren't as good. So I think looking at this approach from a weight inclusive standpoint, uh, hopefully is going to lead to more patient follow up and more partnership and care, which the objective is to get people to, to feel better and, and be better. And I think that that's, that's useful. You know, obviously, that's what we're trying to accomplish. Absolutely. I think you've kind of alluded to it a little bit, but I'd like for you to to elaborate a little bit, could you share with us a little bit more about your philosophy in treating patients that combines health at every size and your clinical experience? Right. So, you know, if I have a patient, let's say that has diabetes and they come in and the blood sugar is not controlled, then maybe it's a new patient. I'm going to talk about things like pairing proteins and fibers, you know, with carbohydrates. And I'm going to talk about medications that we can use to to accomplish the goal of getting the blood sugar down. But I think focusing on saying to that patient, you really need to cut out carbohydrates or, you know, you really can't eat this. I think it is troublesome and doesn't really work in the long run. And, and specifically with the high percentage of patients with type two diabetes, using this as an example, who have disordered eating. So you know, that can cause weight cycling and, and certainly stress. They go to a party and, you know, everyone's eating cupcakes and they feel like I can't eat this cupcake because I have diabetes, you know, and, and the stress of that in and of itself can raise blood sugar. So, and then maybe they go home and they eat two cupcakes, you know, so I think it's just, it's just working with patients on an individual level and using the medications as a tool in conjunction with things like intuitive eating and knowing how to pair foods and using continuous glucose monitors to see the effects of various foods and stress and exercise on blood sugars. So it's, it's really looking at this holistic approach and not just focusing on the weight, which again, is not a behavior. 
I really love how you, you've said it a couple times now and you've made it like a very clear point to say weight isn't a behavior. And I think I'd love for you to elaborate on that a little bit for those who might not quite understand the nuance there because I think it is really important around the assumption that it is. So I'd love for you to dive into that a little bit. Right, good question. Yeah, so I mean, I think across the medical communities and and the people that make guidelines are recognizing that there are a lot of things that contribute to weight, you know, whether it's genetics, whether it's medications, activity, nutrition, there's a lot of different things. And those are all certainly not genetics, but other things are behaviors that can impact weight. But weight in itself is not something you can just wake up and say, I'm going to change my weight. You can change things that may contribute to weight, but you can't change weight in of itself by just saying, I want to change this. You have to do other things, other behaviors to get to that standpoint. Can you talk a little bit more about really just like a natural progression or evolution of the research that you were learning about with health at every size and everything and creating this more of a, like an ease fueled relationship with your patients and everything, right? When you adopted this new approach, why do you think more practitioners in your field specifically aren't haze aligned or might be resistant to that kind of philosophy? It's our training um, is the biggest example. You know, we, we have conferences, we have journal articles, we have emails every day that are just telling us being in a larger body is not healthy, you know? So that starting with that, you know, that's number one. Number two, we're not taught that. I mean, we're taught this weight centric model. I would be pretty, pretty positive that if I wasn't married to Alexis, that I would <laughs> have no clue. I hate to say it about Hayes or a weight inclusive model. I just don't think I would. I mean, obviously I can't say for sure, but I'm pretty sure, you know, we've been together 15, 16 years and she's been doing this like 10 years. And I'm just like the last couple of years, like getting it. And I'm living with someone who is on Instagram every day posting about this stuff. And I'm still like just figuring it out. So too late, but I'm, I'm getting it. Um, so I think that's part of it. You know, we're not exposed to it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, we see it the same in the nutrition field as well. I mean, in our master's program, and it's funny because we were just having another interview about this before of how in so many no matter what clinician's training program you do, whether it's nutrition or dietetics or medicine or naturopathic medicine, Western medicine, whatever it is, it's always a weight-centric model. And it's, here's the tools that we are teaching you how to use to control people's weight, right? So in medical school, it might be, here's all the pharmaceuticals that you're learning and the lifestyle changes as well. And then when it's nutrition and dietetics, it's like, here's the diets you can give people and here's also supplements if stuff comes up in their blood work. And it's just like, it it all goes down to the same thing of institutionalized weight bias and institutionalized fat phobia that's really directing all of these, not only conversations and the teachings that we're having, but then also driving the funds for specific research studies, which are then circling back around and saying, oh, well, this is the research study that came out. We're not going to tell you specifically about all the participants and who we like left out of this study, but this is what we're telling you in our newsletter this week. Right. And also, you know, those studies that don't control for weight stigma, which is obviously very, very detrimental and a huge impact on, on outcomes. And if you don't control for that, it's really hard to, 
to have anything other than a correlation. You know, it's really hard to, to prove a causation without controlling for that, you know, in these studies. And I think that's, that's something that's often not looked at. So speaking of specifically the endocrine system, you have talked about this in your social media, and we would love if you could dive into it of talking about fat as an endocrine organ. Yeah, no, absolutely. So there's, there's a lot of things that happen in the adipose tissue and the fat cells. It's not just an inert storage. So there's hormones that come from there that affect satiety. There's inflammatory markers involved. There's immune and clotting factors involved. So it's not just like an area that just stores fat cells. You've mentioned a little bit in your social media about how our adipose tissue is a very intricate communication system. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yes. Oh, the whole endocrine system works on this, the signaling hormones through the bloodstream and through different peptides and hormones, which is all based on a feedback loop. So for example, the thyroid, which um, is a signaling from the pituitary gland to the thyroid gland, which is in the neck. And if there's not enough thyroid hormone around, then the brain senses that and kicks up this TSH, thyroid stimulating hormone signal, and, and different feedback loops between like leptin, which is a satiety hormone um, that is from fat cells, and impacting things like reproduction and, and satiety and full, you know, which is fullness. Um, so all that, that interplay of signaling between the endocrine glands, the endocrine system, and different parts of the body. Um, whether it's food intake or testosterone and estrogen production, it's all, it's all tied together. And that balance is, is really what we're trying to, to help achieve, you know, by health promoting behaviors and medications as needed and, and things like that. Can you share a little bit about um, why it should be celebrated rather than shamed in that way and how we can talk about more about how clients who might be like they might hear someone might hear on this podcast ooh leptin ooh that's bad could you describe a little bit about that and why that's something that, that shouldn't necessarily be shamed especially for those with you know you might start to put the connection together of saying oh i have more adipose tissue so i might have more leptin and that does x y and z yeah i mean first of all how cool is it that our body has this signaling system that helps us to know when we're full and when we're hungry, just by listening to it. You know, Alexis, I'll steal this from her. She maybe would say it on, on your episode too, but this like internal GPS system, you know, that guides us and like helps us navigate, you know, things like food and stress and sleep and all these, these things that we have, if we just listen to them. So I think that is something to be celebrated and appreciated. So listening to our internal cues and our sensors and our intricate system that we have here without focusing on external stimuli. So, you know, I think a lot of what we hear and what we process, you know, is what's healthy, what's unhealthy is all just external stuff that's coming to us from every different place possible. So I think just celebrating our own bodies and, and its intricate design and, and focusing on that is the, the end all be all is, is really important and impactful. But, and, and, but, either or, it can be really hard to do that and really appreciate our bodies for what they are, no matter what size they are, when we are in the face of all of this medical stigma, weight stigma, body shaming that can occur in medical offices, right? I know you just had a post on this on Instagram recently about this new survey that came out that says 
21% of women, 16% of men say they have experienced body shaming by their doctors. As soon as Christine and I saw that, we were like, that number is probably so much higher than we even think it is and that we've seen in the research. Because again, who are the research participants? And have these people been to the doctor in the last five years? You know, And you've talked about here how 18% of American adults, which again, we probably assume is higher, haven't been to a doctor in the last five years or more. And there are so many different barriers that are in the way of quality, consistent, non-discriminatory medical care. No, absolutely. And and right, it is hard to listen to the, to the body, number one. And number two, to appreciate the body when everywhere you look, someone's telling you that something's wrong with you or that you need to change your body. Even if you know, you're physically fit and you're eating fruits and vegetables and you get enough sleep and you manage your stress and you feel good, but like you're just bombarded with this. Yeah, but you know, you really should lose weight because you're going to get sick at some point, you know? Um, I totally, totally. I don't want to say that it's easy to do. Um, that's a, obviously a, a lifelong process and, and challenging. And thankfully, you know, I think hopefully with the paradigm shift, there's going to be less body shaming that goes on and, and fat phobia, again, optimistic, but hopeful. Um, and with dietitians doing the same and therapists and and all this stuff. I'm hoping that, that it won't be so hard, but I recognize that clearly it is. And I'm coming to a, from a place of, you know, white male, thin doctor. So <laughs> it's like easy for me to say, you know, so I recognize that. Something else that I was thinking about when you were talking about going to see the doctor and the weight discrimination that you might face when you are, like you mentioned, um, having a, like a whole list of health promoting behaviors that you follow and that you execute, but you just live in a larger body. I imagine that you probably find often that they're even more, more difficult for patients of yours to come and see you when they're in a larger body and they have a lot of, um, difficulty executing some of those lifestyle behaviors because they're so intertwined with weight loss programs and things like that in the past. I'd love to hear how you encourage your patients in order to to have a really positive experience in the medical field and to go in and go see a doctor and how they might be able to self like advocate for themselves if they can't get in with you, right? If they're not <laughs> local to New York City. But what would what advice would you give someone who's having some some difficulty with their health and really need to advocate for themselves. Right. No, it's hard. I mean, even things like going to the gym is challenge, potentially challenging because people have had negative experiences with doing that or with trainers or, or whatever. So another aspect of what we focus on, which is finding a, a movement that people enjoy, something like a gym or a trainer, you know, had bad experiences before. And I know a lot of trainers, not a lot, but hopefully, you know, I'm seeing on Instagram, a lot of them are joining this kind of weight inclusive approach, which I think is great. Reagan Chastain, I feel like I mentioned on every podcast, um, she has these Hayes health sheets. Um, she does workshops to help people kind of come up with their dialogue and things that they can, that they can say if weight is brought up and they don't want to talk about it. Um, so that, that's something that can certainly help. And I think, you know, going into a doctor and, and, saying off the bat, if this is the case, look, I have a history of an eating disorder. I really am working on, I'm with, working with a therapist, a dietitian. I'm here for X and I really would like to focus on that irrespective of weight. Um, or when it comes time to the doctor or medical assistant or whatever saying, okay, we need to check your weight. 
saying something like, I really prefer not to be met, have my weight measured. If it's not going to affect the treatment, can we just skip that? You know, you can put down that I, that I decide not to do that. And if it will affect a medication or whatever they say would be the reason you can get and just ask to not be told that and don't put it in the visit summary or don't give me the visit summary or whatever, you know, could be. And, and that's it, you know? And I mean, they could even take it a step, step further and say something of like, I'm here, you know, it's, it's, I, I acknowledge that this is hard for someone to say, but I'm here. I, I have a tough time coming to doctors because in the past I've gone and it's been all about my weight and that I should diet and that I should exercise. And I, and it's hard for me to be here. And I really would like not to focus on those things. This is what I'm doing for my health. I'm here. I'm trying to move more and whatever I'm doing. Can we just focus on the numbers on my labs and whatever it is? I know it would be really hard to have that conversation, but I imagine there's, again, many layer to the, layers to this as well because the dialogue or what the dialogue has been for the longest time is your weight is your responsibility. So for some people, if they're still kind of tied up in that, that might feel like admitting to a failure of their body existing the way exactly as it is and probably as exactly it's it's supposed to be, you know, even if it's your ha- your body's happy weight that we like to talk about, right? Your set point weight range or whatever it is, it might be really hard for some people to I don't even want to say admit that because that's not the right <laughs> word that I want to say, you know, but even engage in that kind of conversation because it feels like admitting a failure and no one wants to admit a failure, right? Um we talk about Brene Brown all the time on this podcast and it's like you know talking about there's a huge aspect of shame around our body size no matter what BMI or size body you're in like everybody has probably in their lifetime at some point experienced body shame whether it was because of a body change or a lack of a body change or you know some kind of discrimination in the medical field or whatever it was but I mean If you have the courage to have that conversation with your medical provider, please do. Or you can go, we've had Reagan on the show before, and we have links to her Hayes health sheets and everything. And we also have a a medical card that we provide to our clients that's like, hi, I'm working with a dietitian nutritionist on this stuff, and I would really prefer not to be weighed. We're working on these things with them, you know, yada, yada. So we can link all of those things in the show notes for people if they want them. Perfect. No, that's great. No, I, I get totally that those are tough conversations to have, but you know, I get messages on Instagram that people are, people are doing it. And I think that that the more that that happens, the more people in my position will be like, okay, like, yeah, like I don't need to weigh you or we can talk about all these things that we know are going to help blood sugar and help you feel better and all these things irrespective of weight. And and the more that doctors kind of hopefully can be engaged in that conversation, the better. And I think it's also really powerful to hear for people listening to the show to hear that permission slip coming from a medical doctor, right? Because I'm sure they hear it from Christine and I all the time. And they're like, yeah, you guys are like 
you know, in the healthcare field, but you don't have to go in and see my doctor, right? Like I know they want to weigh me. I know it's for their insurance and everything. So even just you being here and providing that permission slip to people, it's really okay if you say you don't want to be weighed, if it's not going to impact my medication dosage or, you know, whatever it is. So thank you for giving people that permission slip. There's a lot of power in hearing that you don't have to pursue weight loss in order to be quote-unquote healthy or to manage and support your endocrine system or the things that you might be experiencing through a chronic health condition. I'd love to hear you as we kind of wrap up something that you would love to leave people with so that they can feel confident in in moving forward and, and exploring their health in a health at every size approach, even if they are experiencing diabetes. There's so much shame around that in and of itself, just getting that diagnosis. And I'd love for you to talk about that. Right. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of the stuff that we're talking about and a lot of health conditions, you know, within endocrinology, whether it's diabetes or PCOS or thyroid is not your fault. There's genetics involved. There's, there's stress, there's socioeconomic side. There's so many variables, you know, beyond just what someone eats and how much movement they have and and things like that. And I think that hopefully, you know, finding a, a healthcare, uh, practitioner and a treatment team to work from an approach to help find those health promoting behaviors that are pragmatic for that individual will hopefully go a long way. And health is not an obligation also in and of itself. I see that all the time, you know, on social, social media, which is like, people aren't obligated to be healthy. And there's also so much judgment around that. There's so much pressure on people to like be healthy, which is a stress probably in of itself, you know, the, the obsession with like being healthy you know, maybe is that detrimental. So it's so, it's so complicated. And I think that just coming up with your own individual objectives regarding your body and, and how you want to feel and the things that you want to do, and hopefully aligning with the treatment team and physicians and dietitians and therapists and whoever you need to help accomplish those goals. Thank you for so much for sharing that. And obviously for coming on today, um, if and when not if, when, people would like to come seek out either your services or your Instagram, please tell them where they can find you. Sure. I'm everything underscore endocrine um, on Instagram. And uh, I'm at Central Park Endocrinology in Manhattan. And uh, I have a website and they can check it out. 